sermon text this morning is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, which reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to speak on the new man in Christ, which Paul often teaches about in his epistles. This verse 17 reminds us of the radical change that takes place when someone becomes a Christian. The language Paul uses could hardly be stronger. He doesn't say if any man being Christ he becomes a nicer person or a more intelligent person or a more amenable person. He says he becomes a new creature. And the Greek word for new there, kainos, means new in the sense of a new kind of thing. Something unheard of, unprecedented. So to use a modern idiom, when a person becomes a Christian, he or she is made brand new. Paul, earlier in this epistle, even compares Christian salvation to the act of God at the time of physical creation. He says in chapter 4, verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Become a Christian is that radical. It's, it is a creative act of God. And unlike many Christians today in the decadent West, the first Christians, particularly the first Gentile Christians, were radically different after they became Christians than they were before. The overwhelming majority of the first Gentile Christians were slaves. Most of them were female slaves. It was a very poor material to start with. And yet, such was the radical change that these people experienced that no power on earth could stop them. They had become brand new people. They had far less or far fewer resources than we do today. For one thing, they never had a day off. They had less time. They were slaves. They were less educated. They were less wealthy. They were less socially connected. And yet they were far more effective in their Christian witness for Christ than we are on the whole today. And why is this the case? I believe the main reason is that they had a better understanding of what had happened to them when they were saved by the power of Christ. That they understood 
that something fundamental and radical had occurred to them to the point where they had now become brand new men and women in Christ. And so it's important for those of us who are Christians to understand the reality of what has taken place in our lives since Christ saved us, redeemed us, redeemed us and saved us. But also for those who are seeking Christ, who have not yet found him, but they're seeking him. They may be at the very early stages of inquiring into Christian truth. It's important for them also to understand the radical nature of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in short, it requires a change so profound that the Lord Jesus Christ used the language of someone literally being born again. Someone being reborn. He said, truly, truly, am I saying to thee, unless a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In our first reading, Jesus explained that he's not talking about grown men trying to get back into their mother's wombs, obviously. Um, he is speaking of spiritual rebirth or regeneration is the word that often is used. And this spiritual rebirth, if it's compared to the physical realm, Jesus says, is like being born again. And unless that happens to an individual, they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That is his teaching. Why? Why is that so? And Jesus explains this in the following words. He says in John chapter 3 verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's why you have to be born again. The reason a heavenly birth is necessary is because all that an earthly birth produces is flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And Jesus isn't talking there about human flesh, bone, and sinew, and muscle. He's talking about a mind or an attitude, a way of thinking and living which is earthly, fleshly, sinful. Being born by ordinary generation means that we live in the flesh, we live in sin, we live in a fleshly, earthly way. And the Lord Jesus says, whoever continues to live like that, and to be like that cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In his teachings, more generally, the, the Apostle Paul gives an anatomy, if you like, of the, the flesh. He says that it consists of two things. It consists of a mind and a set of works. He talks, first of all, of it being a mind 
or an attitude. If we look at Romans 8, he talks about that there in verse 5. Verse 8 he says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's what the Lord Jesus was teaching. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and flesh cannot please God. In the condition of sinful, a sinful way of living, you and I cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is a way of thinking. We don't choose it. It's, we're born into it. That's the way we naturally are. But we need to be born again, Jesus says. The other aspect of, the, of living in the flesh is that it, it is a set of works. It consists of a set of works. And we read of, we won't spend time on it, but this is enumerated in Galatians 5. Verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, so on and so on. That is what living in the flesh and no man who is in the flesh can enter into God's kingdom. A man has to be born of the Holy Spirit. To be so operated upon by the power of the Spirit that he becomes spiritual and not fleshly. And he enters into the realm of the Holy Spirit. Now before we were Christians, we were totally unaware of the fact that we were, spiritually speaking, dead to God. We didn't feel dead, we felt alive, we thought that we had all the faculties of a human that it was possible to have, but we were unconscious of the fact that the main thing about being a human being was switched off. That we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses. That we were spiritually dead to God as a result of the works of the flesh. And the whole aspect of our human personality and of our potential was shut off. And it is only through the new birth that it switched on. That we come alive to God. Spiritually speaking. It's a wonderful thing. And this is really what happens when a person becomes a Christian. We become brand new. And our text today is a wonderful reminder of what it is to be a new man in Christ Jesus. In this verse um, 17, 
chapter 5, Paul is coming to a conclusion about the nature of what it is to be a Christian. He has been arguing that the love of Christ constrained us, particularly the love of Christ upon the cross, um, that he was the one who died for all, so that those for whom he died should live no longer for themselves, but for Christ. And Paul therefore says, In verse 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, by which in this context he means we don't know any man, we don't size anyone up, we don't come to a judgment about any man according to the standards of this world. We see them as they are in Christ. And the same with Christ himself. There's a, there's a human way of looking at Christ as a great teacher or as a prophet, just as a man. But Paul is saying, we don't even look at Christ in that way anymore. We, because we, there's something fundamentally different about us now. We see them as they are in Christ. Therefore, he says, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, because of what Christ has done upon the cross, this is how we view and describe the Christian believer. And there are three things in this verse 17 that Paul says in his description of what it is to be a Christian. And I very briefly want to go through these three things that he says. Well, I'll give them to you all together, and then we'll take them one by one. First of all, he says the Christian has a favoured position. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, Secondly, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. And thirdly, there has been a radical transformation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. First of all then, Paul describes a Christian as someone who has a favoured position. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, and this of course we've spoken about before, we won't dwell on it today, but this is one of Paul's favourite themes. And it's really the overarching, underarching if there's such a word, truth about the new birth. Paul is, has been talking about it in verse 14 and 15. This union with Christ where in some mysterious way we can't really grasp. As Jesus Christ died upon the cross, so we die in him. And as he rose again from death and went back to heaven in some mystical way called union with Christ, we also raised, were raised with him. And as he's seated at the right hand of God, we're seated, spiritually speaking, with him. 
Union with Christ, we are in him. The great uh, formula, if you like, of Paul's theology is 1 Corinthians 15.22. He says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. The New Testament teaches, as we've spoken about before, that there are only two heads of humanity. There are only two people that represent humanity to God. There's a sense in which God only sees two faces. It's either the first Adam or the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Every individual is either in Adam or in Christ. Every individual is either subject to all the consequences of the work of the first Adam or they are subject to the glorious blessings of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first Adam, his work was marked by disobedience. The second Adam, or the last Adam, his, the characteristic of his work was perfect obedience. And we are either in one or in the other. And the impact of this is described in uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, where it says, For as one by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Adam and Christ represent us to God and you and I are either in one or the other and God will see you he sees you now and will see you on the day of judgment as in Adam or as in Christ and the Bible teaches that all that remain in Adam will die but in Christ the believer receives abundance of grace Paul says and of the gift of righteousness, and shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Well, I know who I want to be in. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian, Paul says, is in this favoured position. He's in Christ. He's not in Adam. He's in union with Christ. And we don't have time to work this out, but read Ephesians chapter 1. Paul starts the epistle off by uh, describing the faithful as being in Christ Jesus and how all the spiritual blessings are in Christ. Predestination, adoption, acceptance in the beloved, redemption, forgiveness, the unveiling of God's will, the gathering of all things in Christ, the obtaining of the inheritance, the sealing with the Holy Spirit. Where are all these things found? They are in Christ, Paul says. And they flow to the Christian as a result of the work of Christ and of the Christian being in, in Christ. It's a wonderful thought to me that these poor slaves, most of them, these foolish, weak people of the earth, 
These base and despised first Christians were now in this favoured position. The favour of God rested on their heads. They were in Christ. And you know, this is the same for you and I. Whatever situation we are in life, whether we're poor or insignificant, we're in Christ. We're in a favoured position. But secondly, Paul says this. He says, the Christian is a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This speaks of the extraordinary work that takes place in new birth. The spiritual change that takes place when a person is born again. Now, I've been in meetings where the impression at least is given that there are, there are certain spiritual experiences which are only reserved for some select few Christians, some secondary experience which only a few seem to have. But I don't see any of that here. What Paul says is that if any man, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It doesn't matter who, which Christian you are, whether you're, uh, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a, 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 an overseer, whether you're, you have a position, or whether you're, you look after the hymn books, whatever it might be. Paul is saying, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This is true of everyone who is born again. That young female slave, the lowest of the low, is a new creature. That old Greek widow who depends on the collection for her, for her groceries every week, she's a new creation. That male day labourer who only gets half a day's pay, just enough to buy his lunch, he's a new creature. Everyone who is in Christ, Paul says, is a new creature. This is the fundamental description of what it means to be a Christian. And if you're a Christian, it's true of you. Or if you want to become a Christian, it will become true of you. It's not something we strive towards. Paul isn't saying, try your best to become a new creature. Strive to be one. He's saying this is something that has happened. It's a reality that has taken place. That through the new birth, through being in Christ, you have become a new creature. And that there is nothing more important about you and I this morning than being able to say that. Paul says in Galatians 6.15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. What does Paul mean by, by that? Why does he say the most important thing, far more important than, than circumcision, is a, is a new creature? Being able to say that you're a new creature, creation, in Christ. Well I think he means he means this that 
to be a, a real Christian is to move beyond the external signs and symbols to the spiritual reality of what it means to be a new man in Christ. You see, circumcision was an external sign of something much deeper that God wanted to do in the human heart. It's the same with water baptism today. That the point of circumcision wasn't the external religious element of it, really not in God's eyes. It was for the people. But he wanted to circumcise their hearts. He wanted to take away that which was sinful in their lives, the flesh of their heart, that they would be given a spiritual heart, that they would be born again. That they would have the law of God, not as an external code, but as an internal reality in the human heart. And to be a Christian is to move beyond religion, the external sign, to the, to the heart of what it is to live in the Holy Spirit. And it's so possible, like some of those Jewish Christians at the beginning in Galatia, Never to move beyond the external sign. It's possible to take the Eucharist week by week. It's possible to be water baptized, whether it's as an infant or as an adult, whatever, depending on your views or tradition. Either way, it can be an external sign that means nothing in reality to God. It's possible to attend to all the externals of religion, but never to know what it is to be in Christ and to become a new creature. Charles Spurgeon spoke of it, or didn't speak of it, he wrote of this danger in his communion hymn, which we often sing. He wrote, if now, with our eyes defiled and dim, we see the signs, but see not him. Oh, may his love the scales displace and bid us see him face to face. You see, it's not circumcision that, that avails anything. It's not anything external. It, it's, it's seeing Christ. It's being truly born again. It's being a new creature in Christ. So, according to Paul, every Christian has undergone this spiritual change. This change is of the spirit. It's spiritual. A sovereign work of God, which scripture calls the new birth or regeneration. I just want to say just a tiny few things about this. We must understand, because there may be people listening to this who are not born again, Yet, they may be seeking it. But they haven't experienced it. It's important to understand this. That this is an instantaneous, sovereign work of God within the Christian's life. It's not a process. It's something that happens to you in a, in a nanosecond of time. It's instantaneous. It's not something that you work up within yourselves through willpower, something that you achieve. It's a sovereign 
work of the Holy Spirit, a creative act similar to when God said, let there be light, and there was light. He speaks you into life. That's what the new birth is. The sovereign, creative work of the Holy Spirit where dead people live. That's how John describes this work of God. He says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, to, to be a Christian, a true Christian, you have to have a date of birth. I'll explain what I mean. You have to have a date of birth. A day when you passed from death into life. And this is the problem with so many Christians who are struggling or they're not really sure they're a Christian or that there's no change in them, is that they've never really had a date of birth. They've never been born. They've never truly been born from above. There has to be a day, a moment, when you pass from death into life. A day when the Holy Spirit quickened you and made you alive. Now many Christians, not every Christian, and I'm one of them, not every Christian can give you the exact date of when they became a Christian. They may not be able to point you to the exact day, the exact moment, but many Christians can. Many Christians can say, well, I was there. I was knelt down on that day at that time and that's when I came to life. But whether or not you can remember it, whether you can remember specifically the exact moment, you did have a, day, a date of birth. There was a time, an instantaneous moment when you passed from death to life. We were reborn and made new creatures in Jesus Christ. Now I have no memory of my physical birth. I know some things about it. I know I was born in the old Tiverton Hospital, which is now Flats. It was a pizza place linked onto it. So they put my memory. Um, I know it was there. I know the date. I know the date because I have a birth certificate. Now my parents used to give me presents on a particular day of the year to prove it my birthday. But I put no effort into that day whatsoever. I can't take any credit for the day of my birth. All I did, no doubt, was to cry and make demands and generally cause trouble for the next 18 years at least to my parents. But I know this, I was definitely born. I had a date of birth. There was a time when I passed into this world. And the same is true of my new birth in Christ. I, I, on that, I can't tell you the date. I know roughly the period of time of my life. But I know I was born. And God has the date of birth in his records. 
And I'm sorry to God for all the trouble I've caused him since, like I've caused my parents, but the fact is that I can't be unborn. It's a permanent thing. I'm born again. I'm a member of his family. I'm a new creature in Christ. And it cannot be undone. Jesus woke me in your life and he can wake you from death and make you one of his new men in Christ. Every Christian is a new creature in Christ. And then lastly, there has been a radical transformation. Paul says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is the third thing that Paul says is true of every Christian. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The change that takes place when you become a Christian is not something that you can miss. Not something that those around you are going to miss. It's a radical disruption with an old life. That life of flesh and sin and a wholehearted turning towards the new things of God, his kingdom and his priorities. And notice that both are necessary. The old things have to have gone and the new things have to have arrived. It's no good doing one without the other. You can't grasp hold of the old things whilst holding the new things. You'll drop the new things. You can only hold one or the other. The old and the new are incompatible, like the wineskins Jesus spoke about. And it's a failure to understand this that is the cause of so much trouble with so much Christian experience today. Thinking that we can keep hold of the old life. Thinking we can keep it going in the new life in some way. Now this term old things in the Greek word here is the same word from which we get the English word archaeology. The Greek word refers often to um, old men's bones or an old life buried. It is often referred to refers to ancient history, things that have um, perished and have no business being dug up again. And in the context of our verse, Paul is saying the old things of the old the old things are the old heart, the old values, the old loves, the old desires, the old habits, the old plans. All these are passed away. These are all dead. They died with Christ upon the cross. And they're buried in his tomb. Dear friend, I wonder if you've ever had a sense of, of an old life passing and a new life beginning. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you haven't been born again. You're still in Adam. You're still lost. Do you consider yourself a Christian today? 
Then why are you still poking around with the old bones, with that which is buried, with that which is old and, and history? Why are you walking on, on a graveyard where you've no business any longer to walk? Old things have passed away and we're never to walk on those old ways again. When we need to get out of there, I wish I could try and really get this across. There are, there are places that we have no business to be. Places where we used to be, which used to describe us, where, which informed us they were, they were works of the flesh. And yet we're still walking on, on those areas of our lives and we need to get out. Because those things are past, the old things, those old bones, they're cursed. And the danger for the Christian of walking there again is, is so dangerous because it may mean that you're not born again at all. Some things are buried never to be disturbed. For the Christian, our old life of sin is gone. I'm not saying we don't fail at all, but we don't go back there. We don't go back to the flesh. Because why? Because we are now new men, new women in Christ Jesus. Behold, Paul says, all things are become new. The old is gone and all things are become new. Behold, Paul says, get your eyes onto this, in other words, Paul is saying. The same word, kainos, the same word for new. Entirely unprecedented, brand new things have come. And hours and hours have been needed to describe all the, all the new things for the new men and women in Christ. But the one important thing to understand in closing is that this work of God in new birth imparts into us a new nature, a divine nature. Paul says in 2 Peter 1 verse 4 that we become partakers of the divine nature. Literally our old nature of flesh is buried and we become alive. We're reborn and we become new creatures and all things have become new. We're transformed and we partake of the divine nature. We become literally the dwelling place of God. It's the only religion in the world that makes that claim. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And because God is one, so does the Father. And so does the Son. But God dwells within us. And we are his temple. Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And this means the new creature is not in the flesh. But in the Spirit. And because we're in the Spirit, we can now operate 
we can live and move and, and be at home in the kingdom of God because it's a spiritual kingdom and we've been made spiritual now of the spirit and instead of thinking and feeling and living and acting in the sphere of the flesh you as a Christian now you think and you feel and you live and you act according to the Holy Spirit. That's how it should be. Paul is saying you're brand new. And brand new things have come. You're not in the flesh, Paul says. But in the Spirit. Not Some of you are not in the flesh. All you Christians who are writing to you, Paul says, if you're truly Christian, you're not in the flesh. But in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And because of this, Paul teaches the Christian has been made free from the law, from the dominion of sin and death. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It's a wonderful thing if we understand it, dear friends. To, to be a Christian, or what, are you a Christian today? It, does, is any of this true of you? Do you live in the freedom and the newness of this new life? To others who may not be sure whether they are born again. Well, ask yourself, has your old life been buried? Has there been a time when you, you've moved away from that old life and that all things have become new? Have you been born again? Do you feel the new life of the Holy Spirit literally surging through your veins? Well, it doesn't happen all the time, but there's some days... I wake up, I can surging through me because the Holy Spirit's in me. And I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so are you. If you know Christ, do you have the hunger pangs of a newborn baby Christian? Do you want to suck the last dregs of the, of the milk, the goodness of the milk of the Word of God into your soul? Are you zealous? Have you new passions? Do you find that, uh, that uh, not for some of the rest of us probably, but for people like me, do you find that as your body's getting older and weaker, that on the inside you're getting stronger and stronger, and, and, and you're like an eagle that's mounting up with wings, and you, you have a new energy, because it's the Holy Spirit's energy within you. Well, that's what it means to be a Christian, dear friend. And Jesus Christ wants those, all of us, to come to him, to seek him with all our heart, and to say to him, Lord, make me a new creature. Make me a new creature. Make me, Lord, a new man in Christ. Dear friend, this morning, are you a new creature. Are you born again? 
I pray this morning you would hear God's word, come to him and let him change you, to bring you these new things of the Holy Spirit that can only, can only be enjoyed by a true born again Christian man or woman. Amen. Amen.